0: Thank you so much, Miss Pat, for playing like you're at a wedding, waiting on the bride and groom to get here. You just have to keep playing until they're here, until we're ready. We had some issues there uh, with our presentation for you to be able to see the sermon, the songs, uh, all of that stuff. So uh, our Wi-Fi in the office part was down. uh, So, But want to welcome you there on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Uh, Be sure to heart to like to share there. Uh, Also be sure um, on uh, our phone live streaming, if you need that number, uh, you can call the church office. We'll be glad to give that to you, but welcome to those of you who are on our phone live streaming. If you have the ability to go to our church website and I encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab. You can download the worship bulletins, the children's worship bulletins. They're in the windowsills to my right. The bulletins are around in different places uh, if you need one here in person. And then also don't forget the prayer list. You can download that under that info tab as well as in person. You can get those on the table out here across from the offices. While you're there on our church website, be sure to do your online giving. Uh, You can do that by going to the far right-hand side and click that Give Online tab. Easy platform there uh, set up for you to be able to do that. Uh, you can do that in person as well as you can do that with your envelopes here in person but just want to say welcome to everybody here tonight for, without further delay brother Mike if you'll come
1: <laughs> electrons don't you love them we're gonna sing hymn number six tonight immortal invisible God only wise Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light inaccessible, hid from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days. Almighty, victorious, Thy great name we praise. And silent as light, nor wanting nor wasting, thou rulest in might, thy justice like mountains high soaring above, thy clouds which are fountains of goodness and love. To all life thou givest, to both great and small. In all life thou livest, the true life of all. We blossom and flourish as leaves on the tree, and wither and perish, both not changeth thee. Great Thy angels are
0: Well, take your Bibles tonight, if you will. We're going to be in the Psalms uh, once again, uh, here in Psalm chapter 12, uh, verse 1 through verse 8. Just want to encourage you, next Sunday night will be our fifth Sunday sing. Uh, we won't be having the fifth Sunday dinner uh, that, a- that afternoon after our morning service, uh, but we will be having our sing. So if you're interested in singing, uh, please let Brother Mike know, let myself know, uh, so that we can get you on the schedule there. You want to sing a duet, you want to play an instrument, uh, we'd be glad to, to have you come and to play. So, uh, Psalm 12 is where we're going to be at tonight. I've entitled tonight's message, Overcoming Hypocrisy. Now, there's a lot of other things we're going to see in this uh, chapter. It's only eight verses here. Uh, But hypocrisy is going to be one of those main issues that sticks out uh, in this. So just want to encourage you to take that with a grain of salt, too, as we're looking at it. We'll see uh, more here in this. So Psalm 12, uh, verse 1. Uh, Again, I don't have the superscription in your verse on the screen, but we want to stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. Psalm 12 and verse 1. Save, O Lord... For the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer tonight, Father, I pray that your word will be powerful it would be alive it would speak to our hearts you would use it to transform and to change our lives from the inside out lord renew our hearts renew our minds with your word and father i pray that uh, you will have your way in our hearts tonight as we look at your word father as we look at this issue of hypocrisy and several other issues throughout this chapter i pray heavenly father that it would just uh, resonate with us the the word that you share here through david and Father, I pray for your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. So that superscription for chapter 12 is to the choir master, according to the Sheminith, a psalm of David. When we look at this psalm, in any psalm really, one of the things that ought to come to our hearts and our minds is, what is the situation of this psalm? Now, some of the psalms were were given a particular episode of, of what had happened in David's life or in someone else's life that David is addressing, uh, or someone else uh, who wrote a particular psalm. Uh, this, What's the situation? of this psalm. David, here, he isn't surrounded by upright people. He's not surrounded by faithful people. In fact, what, we're, what we see here in these verses that we're going to read is that he says he's surrounded by everyone who utters lies. Uh, he sees the wicked all around him. Uh, he's surrounded by people who, who to him, as, and from his perspective, they, they have no concern for the truth. They have no concern for righteousness. In, in fact, what he sees is, is that they take the truth and they twist the truth to meet their own needs. Uh, so as we come to this psalm, uh, we also see that this was a time in David's life that he just felt all alone. Uh, We see that in uh, this uh, first verse when he cries out to the Lord and says, Save, O Lord, for the the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of men. Uh, So, you know, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt uh, all alone? I mean, really all alone. I've had moments, as probably you have, where you felt all alone, and um, uh, David here, he felt all alone as he's writing this psalm. Uh, He looks around, and all he can see are his enemies. Uh, He might have written this psalm as as Saul was trying to kill him, uh, or maybe when his son Absalom was, was rebelling against him and trying to overtake the kingdom, and he felt all alone because everybody was following after Absalom. Whenever this was written... It's a fact here that David felt like, I'm all alone. There's nobody else but me. Uh, and you think about that. Have we ever been there? You know, Jesus was more alone as he walked through this world than anybody else has ever been. He was the only son of God. He is the only man in history who always spoke the truth. And in the end, uh, when his, uh, even his closest friends uh, abandoned him. Uh, and he walked to the cross alone. Uh, David's sense of isolation in Psalm chapter 12 here uh, points forward to Jesus Christ, the son of David, who also uh, felt alone. Uh, you know, this world is in complete opposition to Jesus Christ and the way of the world and the, and the way of the Lord uh, lead in opposite directions. Uh, the way of the world goes one direction. The way of the Lord goes a different direction. And so, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what is it that we should do when we're surrounded by lies and wickedness and, and unrighteousness and even hypocrisy? How can we overcome hypocrisy? Well, here David shows us how to respond when it feels like all the good people are gone. And I would dare say more and more it seems like all the good people are gone as we continue to age uh, in our society here where we are. So the first thing I want you to see about his words comes in verse 1. I want you to see the despairing words here of David. He says, Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Understand this, when you start looking within yourself, you start focusing on yourself, You're always going to face that moment where you're going to begin to get discouraged. Now, for a little while it might seem okay, but the more you keep looking within yourself, the more and more you're going to become discouraged. In Psalm 11... Remember Psalm 11 that we looked at last time? The foundations uh, of society were shaking. They were crumbling. When when life is falling apart, what do I do? That's what uh, David was addressing in chapter 11. The foundations of society were shaking. That's what it said in verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? But here, notice what David is doing in verse 1. He's crying out for help. He's crying out for salvation. He's crying out for deliverance because the godly remnant of faithful believers seemed to him to keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Now, this wasn't just some uh, guy who was was complaining, uh, longing for the good old days. You've heard those kind of expressions uh, before. We just wish this was the good old days. Well, you go back to the good old days, and the good old days weren't so good, were they, when you really start thinking about them. It was, it was here for David, it was a cry of a truly faithful servant of God who wanted to see his nation Israel fulfill the divine purpose that God had for her on this earth, which was eventually to bring about the Messiah and to bring uh, God's Word. And as we begin this psalm, we find here that he feels isolated. He's certainly crying out to the Lord, wondering where have all the godly people gone. But the beginning almost feels like somewhat of a conversation within himself. It's as if he's saying, I don't belong here. When I look around, I don't see anybody who shares the values that I have. I don't see anybody who shares my beliefs. I don't see anyone who wants to follow God. I don't see anyone who wants to do the right thing. And I wonder as we think about that and where David's at with that, do we find ourselves sometimes in that place, where we, where, where we wonder, where are all the people? I don't feel like I belong here. I don't sense anyone who shares my values or my beliefs. I don't see anybody who really wants to follow the Lord, who wants to do the right thing. You know, David wasn't alone in his concern. Uh, we see others throughout the Scripture who had this same expression. Uh, one in particular uh, was Elijah. You remember, Elijah thought he was the only faithful prophet that was left. Uh, and the prophets Isaiah and Micah expressed uh, their concern uh, at the absence of righteous leaders. I mean, remember the story uh, of Elijah, uh, just after his victory there on Mount Carmel, uh, when when God call, he called out to God, and God brought fire down upon that altar that had been watered down, and the 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 moat, the ditch around it that had been filled with water, uh, and it and it uh, absorbed the the water there and burnt the sacrifice up. Uh, and then he pursued after those prophets of Baal, and he defeated the 450 prophets of this false god, Baal. And he comes down from the mountain, uh, literally and figuratively, and he's being chased by Jezebel and Ahab and their army, and he feels all alone. And here's what he says in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 10. He said, I have been very zealous For the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and they have killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, Elijah felt all alone. He looked around and he thought, where have all the good people gone? I'm all by myself. Now was Elijah all by himself? No, in fact, uh, Elijah was mistaken, of course. And we see with David, he probably was too. God goes on in those following verses to tell Elijah that there's yet 7,000 who hadn't bowed down to Baal, that he wasn't alone. Now, still, that was only a small remnant, but and there are times when those who love God and want to be faithful to him do feel alone. We feel that way sometimes ourselves, but maybe you were trying to do the right thing at work. Uh, And everybody ignored you uh, because they didn't want to be judged by your standards. Maybe you felt isolated at home or or a young person maybe felt isolated at school. Uh, You know, it's kind of like when you were growing up uh, and you were uh, out on the field there to play ball and and there were different uh, groups there, two teams that were choosing. You had two captains that were choosing. And sometimes you might have been that last one uh, who was the one who nobody wanted to be uh, on their team. And you really felt... All alone. Well, here is uh, David who feels all alone. Uh, you know, we may have felt isolated. We may have felt alone. Uh, there are people in government, even Christians in government, who feel like, where have all the godly people gone? Uh, the faithful have vanished from among men. Well, if you only look within during those moments of struggle and difficulty, you ultimately become discouraged. You see, the world wants you to believe that you're enough, that you have what it takes, that you don't need anyone or anything else. But the message of the gospel is this, you are not enough. You are not enough, and you never will be all by yourself. In other words, you can never be enough apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus is enough. And so, when you trust in Him, you can be made enough, made righteous in the eyes of a holy God. So, if you just look within, you will become discouraged and you will become disillusioned. And that's where David is in verse 1. He's discouraged, he's disillusioned, he thinks, I'm alone, there's no other godly people, it's just me and you, God. Sometimes we feel that way ourselves but notice not only the discouraging words notice secondly the deceptive words in verse 2 down through verse 4 so verse 2 goes on to say everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart with and a double heart they speak may the lord cut off all flattering lips the tongue that makes great boasts, those who say with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us?" So, if you look within, you're going to get discouraged, but if you look around, you're going to see dishonesty. You know, one of the marks of a spirit-filled believer is the ability to see falsities, to see uh, and detect lies and liars and to avoid them. And David knew that he was living in a society that was controlled by deception. It wasn't that only a few people were telling lies. Deception was a major characteristic of his whole generation. Now, there might be some characteristics that we might say of our own generation uh, that we're living in that are uh, extreme to our days even. But David says uh, that looking within, you only get down, but there's more bad news. When you look around, you're going to see dishonesty and deception. And so David describes how he feels in verse 1. It feels like to me all the faithful have vanished from the face of the earth. Then you come to verse 2 through verse 4, and then also, as we'll see later in verse 8, he says what he sees when he looks around him. Uh, Saul had used lies and, and had used hypocrisy to deceive the leaders about David and around David, and Absalom himself had done the same thing. He had used flattery to, to poison the minds of, of those who were naive in, in Israel against David to follow him. You know, flattery is not communication, it's manipulation. Flattery plays on the ego and especially influences uh, people who, want, who you want to appear uh, important to. Uh, so you can flatter yourself. Uh, you can flatter others. You can even flatter God, but God knows your heart. And, and of course, that, the, what, the li- what the lips speak comes from the heart. And, and that's why David accuses these liars of, of duplicity and hypocrisy, which is a divided heart. David says, I don't even know what to believe anymore. Uh, the faithful are gone. The wicked are everywhere. Uh, look at that word at the beginning of verse 2 everyone. Really? Is that true? No, it's probably not totally true. It may seem like everyone, but God still has a faithful remnant. But David felt like in his heart of hearts that he was all alone. You know, that's one of the ploys of the devil when he gets us to focus inward and then gets us to see uh, the things around us as he begins to deceive us and to make us think that you're all alone. There's nobody else out there who knows what you're going through. There's nobody else out there who's feeling that discouragement that you're feeling. There's nobody else out there uh, who is uh, seeing deception around them. And, And everyone is uttering lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. And so uh, God still had this faithful remnant, but David feels like he's all alone. Everyone utters lies with a double heart they speak. That's an interesting phrase in the Hebrew, with a double heart they speak. It's a figure of speech in the original language. Literally, it means they speak with a heart and a heart. Do you get that? They speak with a heart and a heart. It's the Hebrew way of describing double talk. Uh, or as we would say, talking out of both sides of their mouth. We would call it hypocrisy. It's using a word that means one thing to advance something that's the exact opposite. And and notice at the end of verse 4 what they say, or at least what David says they are saying. With our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us? Oh, to God, that we would never get to a place that we're like that. And yet, all too often, that is where we find ourselves living in this life. Who's master over me? I'm the master over my life. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. We say, who can tell me what to do? Who's in charge over me? And we say, nobody. We can do whatever we want. You can't judge me. And those individuals don't recognize God or the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So if you're at that place, even as a believer, let me encourage you to to examine your heart and to ask the Lord to speak into your heart the truth of His Word so that you might come to that place of repentance and return to the Lord where you need to be, that He is Lord over your life, that you recognize God for who he is. You see, that's the ploy of the devil that he's been using since the Garden of Eden is deception, deception. He deceived Adam and he deceived Eve there in partaking of that fruit. And he's been trying to deceive us even as believers ever since. Because if he can deceive us, If he can discourage us, if he can get us focused inward and on the things around us, the circumstances around us, then we're too busy with those things to be effective for the Lord. And so we need to deal with those things and get our focus back where it needs to be on the delivering words, on the words of the Lord. And so we come to verse 5 down through verse 8. So notice verse 5 down to verse 8. "'Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise,' says the Lord. "'I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times.'" You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl as vileness is exalted among the children of man. So remember that if you you are looking within, you're going to get discouraged. If you're looking around at the circumstances, you're going to be deceived. But when you begin to look up, you're going to find deliverance for whatever it is that you're going through. It's easy to look within and get down and discouraged. And clearly, if we look around, you're going to see dishonesty. You're going to see deception. And you're going to, it's just going to compound the situation even more when you already feel like you're all alone. But if you look up, you can find the deliverance and the confidence that you desperately need to keep pressing forward one moment at a time one day at a time at the end of this psalm here in psalm 12 we find something characteristic of many of the psalms david prays this prayer he cries out before the lord and we find the circumstances don't change notice what he doesn't say in this psalm he doesn't come back and say thank you god for taking care of those people and for what you did to to destroy those people there, there's nothing said about the, the situation here that changes. Lord, you, you, you brought about a bunch of righteous people to, to bring them back, so now I'm not all alone anymore. Uh, now I'm not deceived anymore. The situation doesn't change. The wicked are still free. They're freely strutting about. Verse 8, on every side the wicked prowl as vileness is exalted among the children of man. It says they prowl as vileness is exalted. Uh, there is uh, as much lying and flattering and deceiving and boasting, David says, as there ever was. Sometimes when we go to the Lord in prayer uh, about our discouragement and about the deception that we see around us, the situation doesn't change. In fact, Sometimes it seems worse than it ever was before. But notice what has changed. The circumstances didn't change, but the psalmist has changed. David has changed. You see, that's the important part for us to understand and to learn tonight, is that God may not change your situations. He may not change your circumstances. You may still go to work tomorrow and find the most discouraging situation that you've ever been in. You may find deception, lying and and flattery and deceiving all around you. None of that may ever change. Probably won't change a whole lot unless the heart changes. But the thing that can change is you. And that's what we see for the psalmist. He began with a despairing cry for help. Help, Lord, for the godly are no more. The faithful have vanished from among men. And God answered. And the psalmist now realizes that regardless of what others do, Regardless of how they might treat him, regardless of how alone he may feel, uh, he has the word of, of the reliable God as his rock, and he's able to stand firm on this firm foundation. You, O oh Lord, will keep them. You, O oh Lord, will guard us from this generation forever. What an encouraging Promise there. As you look around at the world, it stands in opposition to the things of God. And, and when you look at those things, is there a place where you can rest your weary soul? When you look around at the circumstances of this world, is there any place, in any any way, that you can trust? Is there anything that you can depend on? And the answer is yes, because unlike the worthless words. Of the deceiver, the word of the Lord is priceless and precious. In fact, he says it's precious like silver. Look back to verse six. He says, The words of the Lord are pure words, they're like silver refined in a fi- furnace on the ground, purified seven times. His word here, he says, is flawless. It's unmistakable. It's a rock that you can stand on. So let me encourage you, when you're discouraged, when you're in despair, when you see the deception and the evilness around us in this world, come back to the Word of God. It's there that you will find the solid rock that will withstand the storms and will not be like the shifting sand underneath your house. His Word is flawless and can be trusted, but His Word is also precious, and we ought to value his word. I mean, how contradictory it is that, that society even today sees the scriptures as something relatively worthless, and yet great sums of mo- they spend great sums of money uh, to and give sums of money to people who, who who manufacture deception and flattery. Understand that no matter how many lies this generation tells, God's word is always true. David, as we see here, compares it to a silver refined in a furnace, uh, kind of refined in a, in a, in a vat. Uh, seven times, uh, and that's kind of the implication here. We talked about this back in, in chapter 11. Uh, also, the, that's the process he's wanting to do in us. He's wanting to bring all the impurities out of our lives, and so it, sometimes he heats the fire up in our lives to, to bring all of those uh, ungodly things or sinful things uh, to light in our lives so that, so that we can let him begin to clean out our heart and our life until eventually he begins to look into our lives and see his reflection more than he sees those sinful things. He says here, as he compares the silver to to being refined in a furnace, in a vat seven times, not the slightest impurity remains. In other words, this silver is ultra-pure. It's ultra-precious. That's a picture of the priceless reflection of God's Word. Here's what you can take to the bank. You can trust the Word of God. When, when, when all the other ground of this world, uh, that this world offers, it is sinking sand, you can stand on the rock of the Word of God. Here's what Psalm 33 and verse 4 says, For the Word of the Lord is upright. What does that mean? It's right and it's true. And all His work is done in faithfulness. So so when when you can't trust anyone else, or you can't trust anything else, believe me when I say you can trust the Word of God. The Bible has been tried, and the Bible has been found flawless. It's been tested by unbelievers, and it's been tested by believers. And it has always survived unscathed. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great preacher, said the same thing more than a century earlier. In his comments, in his uh, commentary on Psalms, Psalm 12, verse 6, here's what Spurgeon wrote. He says, the Bible has passed through the furnace of persecution, literary criticism, philosophical doubt and scientific discovery and has lost nothing but those human interpretations which clung to it as alloy to precious ore. The experience of the saints has tried it in every conceivable manner, but not a single doctrine, not a single promise has been consumed in its excessive heat. That is absolutely true. Critics throughout the ages have beat upon the rock of God's Word. They've tried to discourage and discredit God's Word, but God's Word stands firm. In fact, the Bible tells us that, doesn't it? Everything else in this world will fade away, but the Word of the Lord will stand and remain forever. The Word of God stands firm. And in the end, unbelievers are broken by the rock rather than breaking the rock of His Word. So how can we overcome hypocrisy? Where can you turn to when you feel like all the good people have vanished? Where can you turn to uh, when things are discouraging in your life? Turn to the Word of God. You can always trust His truth. It'll guide your life. It'll guard your heart if you'll simply get into his word and live in the truth of his word. Here's what Proverbs 30, verse 5 says. Every word of God proves true. Let that sink in. Every word of God, from the beginning to the end, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Take refuge in him and in his word that remains true forevermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. What a short psalm, but what a powerful psalm. Lord, I know there are those of us who are here tonight and those who may be watching online that we get discouraged from time to time. There are things that we see around us. We see the wickedness around us. We see immorality. We see people who are standing against you and your truth. Uh, we, we hear uh, all the, the lies of the devil. We start looking within ourselves and, and we start getting discouraged because we're not enough. Only you are. And and yet when we look at ourselves and we look at our situation, we get overwhelmed by the hypocrisy that we see. We profess with our lips one thing, but all too often we're living in our lives something else. We profess to know Christ. We profess that we love you. We profess that we believe your truth, but we're not living in it, not living in its power, not living in its presence, not letting it have its complete work in our lives. So, Father, I pray tonight that we have learned just simply from David here, who felt like he's all alone. There's nobody else. Lord, when we feel like that in our lives and we feel discouraged, and, and Lord, I pray even if we go to work this week or, or, or something happens in our family this week, that we just, we just get overwhelmed with it, we get discouraged with the situations, Lord, help us to come back to your word, which always proves true. Lord, I pray that you will use your word Maybe to change our circumstances and our situations. We know that sometimes you do. But Lord, we know also that most times you don't. So change us, Lord. Use your word to change us from the inside out. Lord, help us to have a deeper relationship with you as we talk with you, as we listen to you, where you've already spoken to us through your word. Lord, so often we're looking for a new word. We're looking for a fresh word, a a word of encouragement for a situation. And right here already, as we've just read in Psalm 12 and, and so many other psalms, you've given us a word of encouragement. That if we will trust in your word, if we will trust in you, Lord, you will see us through to the other side, even if our circumstances don't change. So change us, Lord. Mold us. Shape us with your word. And help us, Lord, to become more like Christ, who is the living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand to sing our hymn of invitation, maybe the Lord spoke to you tonight. Maybe you just need to come to pray. Uh, maybe other the decisions. Maybe you're uh, watching online also. And maybe you just need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, we want to encourage you to do that. Just call out the Him to save you, and He will. Uh, but as we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, softly and tenderly, number 312, will you come as the Lord lays on your heart? Brother Mike. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for joining with us uh, there online. We'll be back uh, Wednesday night. I uh, want to encourage you to come uh, and join us. We'll be still in the minor prophets there. You're going to receive a wonderful blessing as we begin, uh, with, continue with Nahum. Uh, so just want to encourage you to join us then, 6 o'clock. We do have some things upcoming too, getting ready for Awana. So keep Awana in your prayers and uh, be sure to sign up for those volunteer lists uh, to help us uh, with Awana as we get ready to start that. Uh, we'll have our kickoff the Wednesday night before Labor Day and then the Wednesday after Labor Day will be our first full night of Awana. So be in prayer for that, be in prayer for the kids, be in prayer for all of our volunteers and workers. But thank you for joining with us tonight. You have a blessed week. We'll see you this coming Wednesday.